0: This reading is from Psalms 46, 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God,
1: Isn't it great just to hear scripture, the power of the scripture, and it's truth. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Scott Weiss, um, and thank you for having me back. It's always fun for me to come because I get encouraged as soon as I come through the door. And I true that that's true for all visitors of this church. If that's not your case, then you're not having a donut and you're not shaking somebody's hand when they smile at you. But you should do that because it changes your perspective. I'm always encouraged when I come, and I want to encourage you this morning, and I think God's going to encourage us uh, through his word. I also wanted to share a moment in missions. I just got back from a trip in January, and I'm going to take part of the time, and then I will bring it into the sermon. And it's exactly what we just heard from the couple in Honduras. I was in India, southern India, in Chennai. Um, for a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks. And I went with a group, uh, group from Twin Lakes initially who started this uh, along with a church in Oakland Covenant, my home church. You can start the slides, Randy. And we were in Madras. It's now called Chennai, southern India. My first time in India. There's a lot of people in India. And we were in a children's home, a little flock children's home. And I was asked over the years by my missions pastor to come. And I always had a reason not to. But usually in January, I'm a painting contractor as well. I have some time off, and I can tithe a little bit of my time and a flight. And the Lord had me go there and join a number of other people. And when we got there, we, our, our whole goal was just to be with the kids to encourage them uh, to speak English uh, when we had a chance. And I was asked to—we uh, had devotion times in the evenings and the morning with the children— We had some worship with the Jesus Chords. I've remembered my three or four Jesus Chords. This is a couple from Oakland Covenant, uh, friends of mine, and we would spend time in the evening with the children. But children, these are four-year-olds up to 19 to 20-year-olds, and the church, um, the local church in support with this. This is the dining hall. Beautiful murals over the years, 18 years uh, in the making. So as those children grow into adulthood, they go through secondary school, the school then provides funding for them to go on to further education. And yeah, we didn't starve uh, while we were there. Uh, really amazing uh, food. And then the hope and goal is that they will go on to teacher training college and, uh, Lord willing, uh, will find partners and uh, go on to um, have more productive lives. Some of the kids have been in a abusive background, Some of them have learning disabilities. Some of the girls have been brought to the school. Um, as 14, 15, 16 year old women to avoid early marriage or forced marriage. And so a lot of the kids' faces won't be on, on the screen. But I went to do a water um, and agricultural kind of consult with them. How are they um, using their property? What are they doing? Mango trees in the background. And then of course, I also got to do some painting while we were there. The, the, the dormitories, just like the Honduras, they, f- they live in family groups. A monsoon rains, bit of mold on the wall, so we scraped them down, put some bleach water on there, and then we, we took some time to, to paint the dorms again for the girls in this uh, time and the guys another time. What was great about the trip for me was, one, to be reminded that there are people who um, have a harder situation than I do. I left January 4th right in the middle of all of your chaos, and I was gone until January 20th right at the end of your chaos. And I'm getting texts from my wife, Sally, and she's reminding me, hey, the roof's still up, but the trees are thinking about coming down. We live at Mission Springs, and the roads and all the rest of it was going on. And while I was in India, we got to go through a little local graduation with the kindergarten kids. This is a school that's on the property, very much like the Honduras couple that we just heard about. And that was our little graduation there that day. We were the special guests. We got to shake all their hands, and they had no idea what what they were doing, uh, why they had to wear these little outfits, and there was a national holiday w- while we were there, and um, it was a chance to kind of, it was like Thanksgiving for that part of India. We went to a local church amongst this um, basically Hindu, dominant Hindu area, and that church was a blessing, and actually, I got to preach for the first time. Look at the picture. There's no shoes there. I got to preach barefoot. That was a first for me. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. This is the vehicle that I got picked up in. And look at the, look at the window on the back of this vehicle. Um, maybe the next slide, Randy. Do you see what it says there? It says, in case of rash driving, call this number. India is crazy. But look at the verse they put on there. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Actually, if you look up that psalm, it says, we will not put our faith in chariots or horses. <laughs> so there's a small testimony amongst these Christians there in India and it was fantastic. You know, when I got into the airport, I arrived alone after traveling for 20 hours. I went through Singapore, I landed in Chennai, this, maybe this town that you've never heard of, that has got 13 million people in it, amongst a country with a billion people in it. And I arrived at 10 o'clock at night and it took me an hour to go through customs with my bags and I'm a little disoriented and I'm tired. And I walk through these double doors. I'm leaving the security of the airport. Those of you who have traveled, you know what I'm talking about. And you take that first step and you're dragging your bag and you're thinking, where did I put my passport? And then you're just, you don't know if it's night or day. And then out of these doors, there was two young men. One was in his mid-20s and one was in his late teens. And they had a three by five or a eight and a half, ten, they had a piece of paper. And it said, Little Flock Children's Homes, Scott Weiss. And I thought, huh, that's really helpful information. And I went from a state of fear to a, okay, here we go. And these guys didn't speak English. And they came up to me smiling because I came up to them smiling. And the first thing they did culturally was wanted to take my bags because that's what you do when you help somebody in another country. And what, is, what do we do when we're in traveling situations or if we're in a foreign country and somebody tries to take your carry-on luggage and in that carry-on luggage is all of your medication and all of your important papers and your recently stabbed visa and you, you, you kind of hang on to a little bit more. But in that moment, to this young man who was just smiling because we were awkward and I had no language skills. I released my bag. And the other man took my other bag and they just started walking. There's thousands of people. Middle of the night in a chaotic city. And the message was clear. You're supposed to follow us. And I did. And I walked to that truck that had in case of rash driving on it. And we got in and drove for an hour in the middle of the night, and there was cows on the road with no street lamps, and there was buses and vehicles and chaos and tuk-tuks, and I was in India. And I don't say that to, to, to do anything more than just to say, there are times when the Lord asks us to do things, and, they, and he asks you to take that step of faith. And George, you encouraged me this morning by standing up and singing here, Brother? Because sometimes we do things and we think, I don't know if I can do that. And then the Lord rewards us um, with acts of faithfulness and uh, truth to us. So as we get into this message this morning, uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the reading of your word, for the truth of Psalm 46. God, the simple message that you are with us. I pray your blessings upon this, our time together, and for what you have for each one of us this morning. In Christ's name. Amen. So greetings from my family. My wife uh, continuing to teach at uh, Cabrillo. She's now the director of the Stroke and Disability Center. um, For those who have experienced stroke or some kind of uh, um, uh, head trauma. And uh, she's doing great. If you know somebody who needs those services, go see my wife. Amy, my daughter, is halfway through her senior year in high school. We're trying to figure out how to afford college. We've decided we can't. That was the, what we finally decided. We can't afford college. And she's interviewing with schools that you guys you just can't even believe that she applied to. And she's doing great. So stay tuned. And then my 15-and-a-half-year-old uh, is, uh, you know, he's got the learner's permit, and he's, he's trying to test the patience of his, his father and those kind of things. So they send you greetings. I mentioned that sign and that idea that we have to at some point trust and we have to kind of give to the Lord. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you really need help? When was the last time you put yourself in a vulnerable situation like walking through the doors of an airport in the middle of the night in southern India? Or maybe not something that dramatic. Maybe it's just a time where you found yourself um, with a medical need or something personal in your life. What did you do? What happened when you found yourself in trouble or you were really distressed? Did you try to figure it out on your own? Did you call a family member? Did you take some time to stop and pray? When was the last time you had a clear memory of God's blessing in those moments? When did God find you and said, "Hey, peace be with you." When were those times where you remember God stepped into those moments and gave you that calm that you were after? And that peace that you are after. Psalm 46. Well, the Psalms in general are a little bit like a prayer and a hymn book for the people at the temple. So the Old Testament, the Israelite people would go to the Psalms and that would be their worship. In fact, Psalm 46 is a song. It says to us in the scriptures that that's the case. And there's this little word "sela." Have you seen that in the scripture? And that Selah, you guys will know, it, it just means to pause or to stop. Today, I think we do a musical interlude, right? We appreciate those who take time in worship. They'll often play worship um, without singing, and that's a kind of a pause as we reflect. And so this song for us this morning has actually got a couple, three verses, and there's a chorus in it. And we have heard that. Bill, you read it very well. And, and there's the truth of it to us. So we're going to take some time, and we're going to hear that. Again, so there's a couple things I'd like you to keep an eye out for in this song of testimony. This is a song of affirmation of faith, whether it's being sung by you to the Lord or while it's being sung by someone standing next to you because you can't sing. (coughs) There are times that it's like that. And so um, this is that song that inspired, well, Martin Luther. Do you guys know this him, A Mighty Fortress? A Mighty Fortress. He read this and produced that. In the 15, mid-1500s, by the way, in German, this is the Reformation guy. We're not Lutherans, I know, but we're all children of Lutherans, kind of, right? We, we, we kind of took our branch from the Catholics at that point. Disregard all that. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ. Martin Luther then, 300 years later, a guy translated that in the 1800s, and we've been singing it since. We don't sing it very often, but we sing it because it's a psalm and a song to the Lord. And there is an affirmation of faith and testimony in it. So, two points. First point is that there is a plural or corporate message for us in verse 9. It's the people of God being reminded together that the song was sung for those, again, who sing to the Lord and those who couldn't sing. Because the song says God is our refuge. So it's a message for us today, of course, as well. And then the second point is in verse 10, we'll get a personal message from the divine in the first person. And it says to us each personally in, in verse 10, and it gets us to ready to receive uh, verse 11, which is the chorus of the song. Okay, so let's just work through the psalm itself and the reminders of it. So, verse 1. Are we, with, are we together? We know where we're going? This is a very simple message this morning, but I think it's an important one. So, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. That's what verse 1 says. So, help when you're in trouble. You know, the, the Hebrew word here for help is also distress. And distress, I, when you hear the word help... And distress. Help is like, you know, you can't open the peanut butter jar. That's what I think of. Or I need help is a little bit different, right? I I really could use your help. I'm a little bit upset here. In fact, distress means an emotional or spiritual or physical state of pain that causes a person to feel sad or anxious or depressed or even lonely. That's what distress is. And I'm not sure if that's where you're at this morning. I hope that's not the case, but oftentimes we do find ourselves there. So sometimes I think of Scripture, and unfortunately we use Scripture a little bit like it's a magic pill. But we, we tend to throw fortune cookie Scriptures to each other a little bit. This is me. As if you just take this, it'll all be okay. And I found one of those Scriptures this morning in Psalm 13, 5, and 6. It says this. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. It's fantastic. It's a great verse. But what if you can't sing it? And what if you can't say it? What if you're depressed and you're anxious? You've got serious health issues. Maybe there's something going on at work and you're overwhelmed. What do you do? Well, it turns out, that Psalm 13 is written in that context. Let's look at the beginning. This is the end of Psalm 13. Look at the beginning of Psalm 13. Look at verses 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, how long? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Isn't that amazing? In the same psalm, you've got how long, O Lord, and you've got but I will sing of the goodness of God. And I think that's who we are as believers in Christ. I think this is what our lives are like. Sometimes we're able to sing wholeheartedly back to the Lord, and sometimes we need other people to sing to us. All we can do is show up and be faithful on a Sunday morning, and sometimes we can't even sing because we're that heavy hearted. See, the scripture here in Psalm 46, it doesn't tell us, well, just stop being anxious. I know there's a passage in Philippians. But this passage is actually saying the opposite. This passage is saying, I know that you will have fear. I know you will have distress. I know that life is hard. It doesn't say just stop it. What, what does it say? Well, it says that there's a powerful truth. It says that God knows we're people who fear and that we get distressed and we experience trouble and we need help. God says that right up front. So this psalm starts by reminding us of a powerful truth. What does it say? God can be trusted. That's what refuge means here in the Hebrew. Trust. It's a place of protection or in this case, it's actually a person of protection. It's God himself. It's somebody who's going to provide peace in the very moment. That you need it. It's when it's needed. God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in time of trouble. When you're backpacking the Sierras and you're with a group, okay, you're in the Girl Scouts, you're in the Boy Scouts, and there's a leader, and you're all in the Sierras, and you got a little start, a little bit of a late start, right? We're all a little bit slower, we had a little too much weight in the pack. It's the end of the day, the clouds start coming. The wind starts picking up. What do they always say? What's the first thing you're supposed to do. You've got to get your tent up. That's what you do. You always set your tent up. It was the same in the Old Testament time. In the, in, in, in the ancient Near East, it was the responsibility of the leaders to establish peace for their people. What did that mean? Well, usually it meant a walled city, some kind of an army that was protecting them. It usually meant crops or food, a source of water, some trade. All of that was a responsibility of the leaders. That's what brought the people peace. That's what brought peace to their hearts. That's what protected and secured way of life was like for them. And that's what it's like for us. It's not different than today, right? What do we want? We want a healthy economy. We want to end to COVID. We don't want foreign threats to disrupt our way of life. That's the state of the Union. Every state of the union, since I've been alive, they basically said the same thing. We should pray for our president. We should pray for our leaders. That's not this message. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's hard for people to feel secure. It's hard for us not to be anxious. But God is saying this, I am here. I am your refuge. So let's look at verse 2 and 3. 2 and 3 in this passage, the world's in chaos right? The understanding was that the mountains were foundational. The the belief for those people in the Middle East at that time was that the mountains were the world between the waters and the sky. The mountains were like the pillar, the foundation that kept the chaos of the waves and the support for the sky falling. It was kind of this thing. So what does it say? It says that they could fall. So if the mountains started to fall into the sea, It's like a coming tsunami. It's like a coming wave. Or the mountains quake. Oh my gosh, the timing of this, you guys. If the mountains quake, this is exactly what's going on in Turkey and Syria. This is the worst natural disaster. There's, God, 28, 30,000 people have died since Monday because of this earthquake, if you haven't been following that story. This is the chaos, exactly the scriptures that we have this morning. See, when chaos comes, it brings ruin and destruction. That's what distress is. All those pictures we've been seeing, the people are distressed. The people in Turkey aren't sleeping in the buildings that are still standing. Why? They don't trust that those buildings aren't going to fall. There are people in northern Syria that fled the cities into a rural area, and they found a convent where there were a group of nuns, with a low-lying building, and many of them slept inside that building. And I thought that was really interesting. And they interviewed some of the people. They said, why did you come here? And they said, well, we wanted to get away from the high buildings, and we felt that this building was safe. And I think what they were trying to say was, we believe that the people who built this building didn't cut corners and skip rebar and not use enough cement. But I think it was also a testimony maybe to the ladies who were living in that valley, in that rural area, that part of northern Syria, that Christianity is so foreign to. See, people couldn't sleep inside the buildings because they didn't uh, trust the builders. And there's still ruin, and there's fear, and there's mistrust. Psalm 46 says that God is trustworthy. There's a place that God dwells, and it's the place of the Most High. It's an amazing place, verse 4 and 5 tell us. It's that God will protect and provide for those within. He is the leader that can be trusted. His words are faithful. He himself is the refuge. And even though the nations are in an uproar, and there's chaos throughout the earth, the scripture says God is still in control. Amen? But sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Sometimes everything around us says the opposite. We have financial insecurity, and we have wars, and we have natural disasters. We have flooded homes, which some of us have just experienced and are still experiencing in this county. Some of us have health issues that hit us out of nowhere, and we're like, oh my goodness, what just happened? Where are you, God? And it's okay to ask that question. Where are you, God? There is an answer, and God hasn't gone anywhere anywhere. But the question doesn't threaten him. In fact, it's good if you can sometimes be that truthful. So the people of God, the Israelites, just like ourselves, need reminders. God reminded his people. Let me read you a little bit from Psalm 22, verses 4 and 5. In you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. They were not disappointed. What reminders do you need of God's faithfulness to you and to your family? What reminders do we need for this very church? Well, I was looking at this passage this week, and I was reminded of Joshua chapter 4. Do you guys remember Joshua chapter 4 when the people are about to go into the promised land? They're about to cross the Jordan. It's at flood stage. What was the passage? They said, Joshua or the Lord told Joshua, and the ark went out into the river. What happened? The floodwaters backed up miles upstream and the people were able to cross into the promised land across the Jordan with the ark being held in the middle while the people walked around it. It's amazing. Second time God dried up some river, dried up some water, right? So let's look at that passage. Let me read it for you. Joshua 4:20 20 through 24. Oh,
0: thank you, Randy.
1: And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out from the Jordan. He says to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do, you, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until they had crossed over the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over it. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. You see, it's not what they had done. It was what the Lord has and will continue to do. It's not all about us. It's never about us. It's always about God. And what God's doing. But that doesn't mean we're not going to get anxious. I get anxious regularly. I have to trust God with my kids. I mentioned my son in, in learning how to drive. You guys, some of you have experienced this. Some of you have yet to experience this. When a 15-year-old boy says, Dad, I'm ready to drive. And he says to you, Hey, I'd like the keys to the car. And you say, Well, let's Go practice. And I have a, a big orange cone that's, you know, standard. It's about this tall, actually. And I call it Tesla. It's the name I've given for the cone. And we take Tesla and we place it in different places so that when Aaron practices driving, and we are starting very small, when he bumps Tesla, I remind him. Hey, you just hit Tesla. And he has to think about that. Well, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to get anxious, and in fact, we still bought insurance for the car, right? That's not my point. But at some point, we had to trust in the driving situation. Amy, the responsible older sister at 17, at some point, we had to let her drive to high school alone. It's a big moment for me. We had then had to let her drive over Highway 17, which is a, a bigger moment. And it's just that reminder that the Lord has for me to say, hey, you got to start releasing your kids. We're helping Amy try to find a college. We're sending her on trips. A couple weeks from now, she's going to go up to Spokane, to Whitworth. And uh, yeah, there's there's a shout out for Whitworth. And she said to me, we were looking at tickets, trying to figure out timing and costs and all the rest of it. And she said, you know, Dad, I could just go up by myself.
0: I was like, oh.
1: And then Sally gave me that look like this is... This is her. This is her. This is how she does it. This is the steps, right? This is. The and I'm like, oh great! And I, t- I pulled it off as if I wasn't inside crying. <laughs> I said, oh yeah, honey, that's a great idea. That's great. I've got friends from Cal Poly Days University. They're local. They can pick her up and get her to the dorm and all. That. It's going to be great. She's fine. But there's a trust. There's a release. There's a letting go. There's somewhere between. Yeah, we still take care of. We still buy the insurance for the car. But we do have to trust the Lord with not not just our lives, but also the lives of our kids, right? We still have to model our faith. We still pray together as a family. We still come to church and be in regular fellowship. We do all of that because we want our kids to know that we trust in the Lord through it all. We still do our part. It it doesn't mean that I'm not going to fail. It doesn't mean that I won't get anxious. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have health issues. I've experienced distress in my life, but the Hebrew literally says this: God is for us. Amen. Verse eight. I love this verse. It's a little bit by, uh, like um, Philip saying to Nathaniel, um, "Come and see." Okay, there's that "come and see" part. Come and see the works of the Lord. This is just like the New Testament. What does the New Testament say in the Gospel? It says that Jesus came. That was the Gospel message. Jesus was called Emmanuel, God, with us. And when uh, Philip said to Nathaniel, hey, we, we think we found the guy, right? What was his response? Oh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he said, well, come and see. Come experience it for yourself. You see, there's trust, but you have to put it into practice. You have to take those steps of trust. You actually have to experience it in some ways. The scripture is very clear. God is all powerful. He can break the bow. He can burn the chariots. He can make wars cease. But you also have to come and see and experience it. Ultimately, though, in verse 10, there's a greater call in this psalm to us. It's the famous be still and know that I am God. And I always experience this verse as if it's like a come and meditate. Be still and know that I am God. Actually, that word be still in Hebrew means, and some translations have cease. But it's actually more like this. Stop. Throw down your weapons. Stop what you're doing. It's, it's, it's a little different than what we're used to. It means to sink down, to drop to relax Kathy Carver taught for 25 almost 30 years in uh, um, a local elementary school first grade teacher for my son my son needed a big medicine ball to sit on in class he bounced on it It's a little active this child first grade teacher giving a kid a ball in class didn't make him sit in the chair and don't move she let him move And if he could stay on the ball and get his assignments done and participate and answer a few questions, then he would build up enough points, and the winner of those points, during reading time, got to sit in a big 1970s beanbag chair. You know the kind that you couldn't get out of? Do you guys remember those? You would kind of sink into them, and you couldn't actually get out. She had one of those. I don't know if it was original 70s or not. My son loved that beanbag. Well, that's the Hebrew for this word it's the beanbag it literally means drop into a beanbag and focus on the story that's about to be read and that was my son if he got the beanbag he he did great and that's what the scripture is telling us right here it says stop and know that I am God stop and know that I am God and sometimes uh be it cancer or some major thing in our life, sometimes it's a relationship, sometimes they're getting fired from work. These are the things that happen to us that God sometimes says, just stop and know that I am God. And I I hate that sometimes in our busy lives that it takes that. But sometimes God reminds us in these horrible, horrible times, but in a way that's meant to bring peace and comfort and security. God is our refuge and our strength. So stop what you're doing. Acknowledge God, your fears and troubles, and know that God is with us. God is with you. Because the Psalms chorus in verse 11 says this, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's done it before. He's going to do it again. The God of Jacob, the one whom our families trusted, the one who helped us in the past. He is with us. He will give us peace when we need it. Hope when we get discouraged. Reminders when we get distracted. And we have each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have each other because that's how God works. His spirit amongst us, empowering each one of us with words of encouragement and hope and prayer. And George standing up and singing this morning. These are the things that encourage us. We have each other. So, CLC, this church has been blessed and will continue to bless. And when people walk through the doors of this church, they're going to find hope and love and peace and reconciliation because God is with us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to read for a benediction, and I'll, I'll ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to read for you a benediction out of Psalm 33. This psalm is the Lord speaking to us. And may this be true for each of our individual lives and then together as a church. It says this. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen and amen.